Without a ball, it's just a court. And without your spirit, it's only a game. So, together with the fans, we bring our best. For your next pregame, let's share a twist on a classic. The Hennessy Margarita. A squeeze of fresh lime juice and a bit of agave syrup. Topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it. And enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy. Without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody? We are back. Another episode of Point Forward. Early this week, we had a great conversation with Chris Paul. But before we get into our conversation with CP, we are looking at the NBA, what's been happening this past week, just before the in-season tournament playoffs are just upon us. Make sure y'all check us out at Point Forward on all social media channels, platforms, wherever you listen to your podcasts, all podcast distributors, at Point Forward, you can find us. Point Forward. This is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life, and that means something, something, something. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. game. What's up, y'all? I'm Andre Iguodala with my main man, Evan Turner. We are point forward. How's your last week been? It's been all right. Um, oh, it was Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving. Yeah, I be forgetting recently. all I be forgetting about that. Too. Doesn't turkey make you forget or some shit or make you tired? Ah, uh, good question. I'm not a um, holiday guy, but um, this was the most people that I've been around for a holiday in quite some time. It was a bunch of us. Where who was who was there? Hey, everybody. My son was uh, playing in a big tournament in Texas, Love that. down in Dallas. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And uh, it was good to see him. He's been away from home. And so uh, in-laws, my parents, all the kids, um, yeah, my sister-in-law, it was about 10 of us. And, and he brought a few of his teammates over. You know, they can eat. Yeah, that's so right. It was, it was smooth. It was smooth. That's dope. Yeah, I had a family at the crib in South Carolina, so I had like 10, 11 people. Oh, yeah. So that's like one of the first real times I hosted. So you who cooked? I actually had shout out to uh, D Chef. He cooked. My mom made some like the little size. But I gave her a break. Gave her a break this year. She's uh, you know, she's in the Hall of Fame. So we yeah. we can't really have her putting in forty eight minutes again in the kitchen. <laughs> and then uh, it was a great it was a great tri- a great time. We celebrated my aunt's birthday. Mm-hmm. We enjoyed ourselves. You know, with family like the rustling tussle. So that was uh. I got you know we you have like good moments up and down moments and just family yeah. moments. No, no, mine was smooth. I kept it smooth. I, I, we had a caterer. Somebody uh, cooked all the stuff for us, so it was easy. I don't know why I don't do that more often. Like, like uh, why like we cook? Yeah, we had like this chef, and I'm sorry I'm forgetting her name, your name, but it was un. 
unbelievable. It was some of the best mac and cheese I ever had. Her dad smoked the ham and the turkey and something else. But it was it was crazy. Good. If the I mean, but if the Chefs hit as long as the pricing is hitting. You know what I mean? It's like, damn, do you, what you want me to buy you a new stove? Like, you start charging 60 a plate. It's like, bro, I, I did. I swear to God, G, I will air fryer this whole fucking meal. Like, <laughs> stop playing with me, fam. Like, if it's 15 people in here, make 87 pieces of chicken, I'm going to give you $120. Now beat it. I can dig it. All right, let's just let's go, let's go on to it. Mm. Uh, we had an interesting week last week. Uh, you know, last week we had some conversations about uh, my uh, teammates, my former teammate. And I feels like this week we're right back into the discussions. It's almost fitting with our guests. The judge is the jury, and we'll leave it at that. Um, we are on the in-season tournament. The playoffs are just upon us. It's been interesting. Uh, Steph Curry said the in-season tournament uh, – the games for like playoffs. Yeah, it's cracking. It, it, it's been it's been pretty cool, and to see uh, some of the teams who've clinched already. Um, I think thus far the Lakers have gotten in. Indiana yeah. has gotten in, yeah. and um, the the odds, uh, DraftKings odds for. I keep forgetting there's an in season tournament MVP. Yeah, we already know who that's going to. Who, but do we already know? It gotta go to the. Cause Buddy been I, when I was reading these numbers, it was like the first player to have what it was thirty five plus points and like fifteen plus assists in consecutive games. You're talking about the beige man, right? Tyree Tolliburton been we cooking. Go. Yeah, he been cooking. Bro, they gotta give it give it to him while you pause. Give it to him while you can. Like while you give it, he's been going crazy. And what's most important is this, crazy. It's like you see a guy getting 30, 15 assists, but it's turnover. Oh yeah, it's like so you're barely making any mistake. At all on the court, yeah. at one of the highest levels in the yeah. in the world, It's yeah. impressive. Man, it's won a lot of points. Hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah, this won a lot of points. Um, current MVP odds for the end season: we got Giannis at plus four fifty. LeBron is uh, second at plus five fifty, and uh, Tyrese Halliburton at plus seven hundred. The only time I get confused, I'll be honest, I get a little confused because I'll see the games throughout the week, and I'll say like Milwaukee take a loss. Yeah, and, a lot. Too. Yeah, yeah, I see. I'm like, damn, they've been losing Randomly, yeah. more than I thought they would. Yeah. Or then I'll see some bad, a bad game from uh, Giannis, and I'm like, wait, how's he? How's this possible? In, uh, the favorite for MVP, but then I got to remember, like in season tournament games, there's a different, there's a different uh, barometer. Yeah, I don't like how that conversation could strike something. You, you know, know what I'm saying? saying? It's, it's, like, it's I don't weird. like how yeah. it pops in. Let's like, are right, you played bad here? But now, I, there's two different ways you can view it. I see a lot of people in headlines like dudes leaving and being like, nah, bro, they shouldn't have shot this shot, running up points, this and the third. I think, like, they're starting to kick in a competitive nature. I love ah. that because before guys are – before they know it's, like, in November, dudes are heated and want to get to playing and competing at that level. So I appreciate that. But then you look at certain situations where you use the Giannis situation, it's like he might play bad one night where it's not a playing game and then be arguing his numbers. He's supposed to be MVP, and it's like – I mean, tomato, tom- every every new thing has its inkling. It's just like people can make all NBA and not make the all-star team. You know it's just true. Or you can make, you can win the defensive player of the year but not be on all defensive first team. 
that was happening a lot for like a couple years straight. Yeah, that's the NBA. That was like that just that's that's what happens when when you just give anybody the job. But it's like no, this don't make sense. But no, it's good for it's good, it's, it's good for the for the fans. It's like all right, cool. One plus one equals eight. Yeah, and and, and so I guess let me ask you this: Who wins the in season tournament? In your opinion, man, it's hard for me to go against the Celtics. Yeah. Celtics got to get in. They took a tough loss to Orlando. I was yeah, watching that. I, yeah, that's tough, but I think they will. And they got two injuries. Damn. Kristaps and uh, Drew. All right, just give me the Pacers, man, just, just to be arguing. Damn, that's aggressive, too. Ain't no, no it's not. I mean, nobody just chose the Pacers in, like, 10-plus years. This is true. It's so, like, that, now that sounds crazy. Give me, um. The Lakers got on the roll. I like the Lakers. You can't go, go against Brown. Who else? Phoenix got a chance. Milwaukee got a chance. Milwaukee always has a chance. I got the Lakers. The Lakers versus Milwaukee will be a good because we had that conversation. Do you want one game to be LeBron or a series? And so the end season, you just get one one game. I think Giannis can get you one game, Bron. Man, Bron is going to exploit all the deficiencies of a team, and we all know oh, yeah. what the struggles that Milwaukee have had this year. And LeBron's getting a lot out of guys this year. Christian Wood. Yeah. And um, Cam, Reddish. Cam Reddish. And also Reeves has been playing better since he's come off the bench. He's yeah, kind of found a rhythm. Still averaging 15, yeah, 6, and right, 6. His right, shooting numbers. Right. His shooting numbers are crazy. When I, like, did the, like, the peekaboo like view, I'm like, damn, he must be sucking it. Like, Paul sucking. Right. But it's like, no, his shooting numbers are good. Everything's yeah. good. We just got too hype on Austin Reeves. 15, I agree six with that. And six is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable. Option, but like, what y'all looking for is twenty something. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You blaming yeah. him for being yeah, a yeah, great yeah, forfeit. Yeah, yeah. But I, well, well, I think we should dive into this conversation at some point. Your market and how it can affect the noise that's around you. Yeah. Because you got certain places you playing, like you got some extra. There's some extra noise that goes on, and it's a it's a lot more extra attention on you, unwanted attention. Yeah. And how it can affect your play. You know, cities like LA, yeah. um, you know, playing in New York yeah. can be tough. You know, yeah. playing in Philly can be yeah. tough. But then but you, you look at LA for like voters stuff and like media wise, like same thing that laugh makes you cry. You true. look shout out to uh Jamal Crawford, but you see certain years he had winning and you might be like, Well, it's because they had a big market and and, and any writer at very least can watch the Clippers play at one AM and they don't comprehend like, yo, dog, the dude averaging a Jeremy Lin averaging 10, 4, and 4 is no different than a Jamal Crawford 13, 1, and 1 shooting 39%. It's true. Ah, that's a good point. That's a good way to look at it. You know, but, I mean, or some guys, you know, just no stress. And you're just going out there hooping. And then they wonder how a guy struggles in the playoffs when them bright lights come on. Because yeah, now we're picking apart your game. Picking apart your game, and you got to see us literally four or five straight, mm -hmm. you know, straight games. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, the greatest basketball mind on earth, Le LeBron James, is most <laughs> likely to uh, elevate, and you think you'll give the Lakers the eyes of winning. Uh, yeah, for what they're playing right now, and uh, AD just had a 35-point game. And his defense is always uh, there. His defense is always there. Um, and, yeah, it's one game. One game at a time. And I always say this from the 2020 bubble, like, the media and everything made me forget. It made me think that, like, a team of Brian and AD 
don't have enough. That's true. Like, and you be sitting here like, what the hell was that? Like, especially then, like, I'm, those are two top five players in the world. This is unfair. Yeah. And somehow somebody made us believe this was fair. Like, you know what I mean? That's a great point. And you be like, man, well, I, damn, gee, I should have, that parlay killed me. Like, you know what I mean? I should have known better, bro. Like, what the hell? Shout out to DraftKings, man. This preview was brought to you by none other than DraftKings. Point. Forward. So, E.T., I had an interesting, uh, we was on the bench one time, right? Yeah. And it was like some interesting calls being made on the court. And the guy was from Chicago. And I'm, I guess I'm giving it away. I should say one of my coaches was from Chicago. And he said, um, God damn, did I, did I sleep with one of your girls? Because every time I see you, <laughs> I get a bad whistle. <laughs> it took me out. <laughs> so, so it just got me thinking. Like there have been very interesting uh, relationships, you know, uh, with players and refs. And for me, it's always been the refs should never be seen. Like your duty is to uphold the rules and regulations of the game without being an interference to the game. And with all that being said, I'd like to welcome Chris Paul to the podcast. <laughs> you feel me though? Hey, man, I, you feel I me though? I know where you was going with that. I do not know where you was going with that, man. You just, talking, you just got me, you got me mad all at the end already. No, no. Well, I've been thinking about like what type of conversation that I, I want to have with you. And I think we should start with, like, you played in, like, a couple eras, it feels like, and you've dominated in a couple eras. And so the first question, we got the, we had the top three point guards of all time on our podcast, mm-hmm. which which is we appreciate you for popping up. Like, you yeah, finished it out, you know? Pretty, that, is pre- that is pretty crazy. crazy. I don't take so, that for So that. how do you view yourself like we had we were i was speaking to um i had a conversation with king griffey jr we did and we were just saying Mm. like when you're that good do you know it and you know you know you've been on steph for a while and he moves as if he doesn't know it sometimes and you have to remind him how has it been for you in terms of how you see yourself man um it's crazy because i'm still in it you know what i'm saying like that's that's the wild part, and you know the conversations, man. You've had Dre over the years. It's wild the things that we've been exposed to and been able to see. And then I always tell people, you hope that you're gonna play like for one team your whole career, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, the fact that I have moved around is giving me an appreciation for other guys, for other players, for other organizations. And knowing Steph the way that I knew him when we were younger, right? And then. You know, Golden State being a sworn enemy of mine for so many years, and now to be a teammate and me and Steph work out together and stuff like that, it's it's like this point where you compete like crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And we we still compete in all these different ways, but is it's so dope to see how people work, you know. And so I think there's an appreciation that I have for Steph, appreciating that appreciation that I have for. Russ, another, a lot of different guards in this league. Even somebody like D. Rose, like me and D. Rose, it's so crazy. People would know over our careers, <laughs> we only played against each other a few times. Oh, wow. Right. right? 
few times. Like, I know that. I don't even know if he know that. But it was just so crazy over the course of our careers. When it was time for me to play against him, uh, he might be hurt. Or then vice versa. You know, it's crazy. It just worked out that way. But uh, when I was in Houston, uh, I got a chance to talk to him for a little bit and just told him how, how much I appreciate him as a hooper because I've had injuries over my career. I know how it affects you mentally and how it challenges you. So me and D. Rose, we know, I don't know him like that, but I'm one of his biggest fans because I, I watch him hoop now and I just see it's nothing like your body letting you do what you know you can do. Yeah. So when it comes down to it, you also had, like, you discussed the longevity of uh, being able to play damn near, you know, two decades. And you came up against, you know, Steph Curry and all those guys. But there are some point guards from back in the day that's pretty impressive where you're battling with Darren Williams and Rondos. And even then, that was, like, the, you know, younger part of your career. But what goes into, like, the long mental capacity of it? Because you outlasted D-Will, you outlasted Rondo or even Derrick Rose, and you're still in here with ba- in battles with, you know, the next faces of the league, which is like Ja Morant or Trey Young or those guys yeah. where you're literally still teaching them lessons, still balling, still at a high level. So what's that like and what does that go into? Because you've seen a lot of battles, and the point guard position is, is one of the toughest positions in anything. You know, it's, it's hard for me at times because it's this – thing where you got to appreciate the the old league, right? Mm-hmm. But you also got to be willing and adapt to change to the new league, right? You can't be one of them guys who just stuck in them old ways. Like, man, we used to do this. We used to do this. But I think I find myself sometimes just, I, I get mad at times about little things, whereas y'all both played with Chuck, right? Y'all played with AI. I did. You no, know, he did. I came oh, in the year oh, after. Did. Yes, you didn't sir. Play with yeah. AI. Okay, so... And this is one of them, you know, people hear these young guys, hear these old stories, and they'll be like, oh, they go to mold, and he's talking again. But when I came in, Byron Scott was my coach. Yeah. And so I had to play against Gilbert Arenas, Baron Davis, and all these guys. So people talk about, like, the intensity or whatnot that I play with. I play with that because, man, I came in and I had to guard them. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't like three and D guys. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It was like guard your yard. Yeah. That's your man. That's your matchup. He might give you 40. Roll with it. See what's up. Yeah. You know, so I, I came in and I, I'll never forget, man, the first time I played against AI, I think he had 24 shot attempts in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> in the first half. And I'm like, damn, Chuck passed the ball. You know what I mean? But it's just, I mean, Gil is so much taller than me. You know, BD, also Baron, so strong is his guard or whatnot. Like, in this league, no, it would be like a power forward guard, one of them guys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that was the league I came into, and that's why I am the way that I am. Now, that, I want to dive into that a little bit more because you have that – when I watch The Last Dance – after watching it, I was able to like see you in a different light because I work with you in the union. So, you know, I knew that side and I'm like, this dude puts the same energy into everything else that he does on the court. And I was like, wow, it's, it's impressive. But when I watch the last dance, I think of who are the guys that are competitive like that? And you came to mind. I'm like, oh, OK, because if you if you don't know that, 
because I had a conversation with a coach, right? And he he hates you. He's like, man, F Chris Paul is. Ah. And I'm like, he's talking about Steve. No, 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 no. No, he was an assistant coach my first year with the Warriors. Oh, yeah. And he just, like, Steve Steve knows basketball. Steve loves basketball. Right. So, like, regardless of how you make him feel, like, he he, he respects the Hooper. And so right. I get into an argument like, hey, man, I don't care what you say, how you feel about dude. Like, he played for the Clippers, so I don't like him either. But he one of the baddest point guards of all time. How you going to say that about some, hey, man, it's just respecting the game. Like, buddy, nice. Like, I, you can't argue with that. Uh. But I don't think that comes, that becomes who you are. Like when you get in the league, I think like it's something like you always had that in you. And I know you played football growing up, but did, I think you always had that competitive spirit to you, like that kind of mean, spirited, you know, competitive edge, yeah. which you need in our league too. You need that. Like I feel like that's gone away. I do think that that's gone away a, a little bit. Not to say yeah, it's good or it's, bad, but where did that come from? It's gone to a certain extent, but a lot of it came from. I mean, I grew up being at the YMCA, playing with older guys. I got an older brother. All his homies was always talking crazy to me. And excuse me, I played JV for two years. You know what I mean? So, like, it was really a grind. Like, every single day when I was in high school, my freshman and sophomore year, I practiced with the JV and the varsity every day. Every day. You know, then I got to the league. I played for B. Scott. Like, we... <laughs> We practiced hard. Like, we got a turnover in practice. We ran 17s. You know what I mean? And so the other thing, too, is, like, I don't know. I played football, but just I always tell people all the time, my whole career, and I love the big guys that I played with, Tyson Chandler, played with DeAndre Jordan. I played with Okafor. I played with a number of guys who were great, great guys. But, you know what I'm saying? I just – I never really had somebody where, like, if somebody fouled me, they going – you know, <laughs> they they just going to come over there and be like, what's up? You know, like Shaq. You know how Shaq was? Sort of like Ticket was, KG and all that stuff. Yeah. Like for me, it's been, you elbow me, I'm handling my damn self. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's, that is what it is. And that's that's within the game or whatnot. But that's that's always been what it is. Is that the mentality you took to OKC with you? Because you see some of these trends in the league sometimes with some of the older superstars, they kind of send you here, send you there, and then kind of hope you figure out your way to pasture. But you went into OKC, turned it around, you had like a tenth of a chance to make the playoffs, and then you built some killers. Yeah. I really want to know about that because most people would be depressed moving from Houston to shout out to the city of OKC. They still getting built up and everything. But then being on a, you know, a rebuilding team, what you did there was unbelievable. Hennessy and Mitchell and Ness have come together for the Ultimate Drop, a limited edition collection to celebrate Hennessy's continued partnership with the NBA. Because some things just go together, like Evan and myself. Hey, man, man. Remember when we met back in the day at Tim Grover's attack facility? Mm -hmm. I think it was like 08. I was finishing up my freshman year, and you were about to prepare to get that bag, right? Yes, my extension year. We met in 08. In 2010, we fast-forwarded to be each other's teammates. Mm -hmm. I obviously thought I was better than you. Then the first day of practice, I go baseline. And you, you Brian blocked my shot before Brian. That was Brian. a good block, G. <laughs> bro, I remember that, that. Bro, that was an amazing block. I'm looking like, bro, what just happened back there? And then I'm like thinking something, like talking to my agent. Like, bro, you just said I was better than this dude? <laughs> Look, on the court, you're surrounded by a collection of personalities, egos, and talent. But when the pieces come together, that's when you form a great team. The same thing is true when you mix a great drink. 
Different ingredients come together for the first time, complementing one another to make something out of this world. And beyond the drinks, this drop with Hennessy and Mitchell and Ness celebrates the intersection of basketball with art, music, and fashion. Elements of culture that represent ways the fans and players pay homage to the game. The exclusive collection will have a limited drop available for both in retail and online. Check out at Hennessy US on Instagram for more information. Hennessy, without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I'm going to tell you, E.T., which is crazy, is because... um, like it's so many dynamics like Dre was talking about to life for all of us that a lot of people don't know. Like as much as like all the teams that I've been on have hated Golden State and they've hated the team that I've been on, me and Dre done had to work hand in hand with the union and stuff <laughs> yeah. for years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Dre, no, Willie Green is my big brother and family mm-hmm. to me. When he went and coached for the Warriors, it changed our relationship <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> You know, but that's, it's crazy. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like me and Dre, like we would have to do union business, but on this side, like our teams hate each other. So, I mean, it's funny being with the Warriors now, you should have heard us in the locker room today. We'd be talking about so many different things that happened over the years, miscommunication things. But if you know somebody, you know. And so when I went to OKC, the people who know me weren't surprised. Like, I don't know how... To each his own. <laughs> I, I'm listen. That wasn't my obviously my first choice to end up in OKC after Houston, right? I moved me and 15 people to Houston. I thought Houston was gonna be it for me, but the business happens. Things change. When they told me I was going to OKC, I mean it wasn't ideal, but a couple of days went by. The GM for OKC hadn't hit me, Sam Presti, you know, because if yeah. they don't hit you right away, maybe that mean they moving you. Right. So I reached out to Sam. I called Sam. I hit my agent. I was like, can you get Sam Presti number for me? I called Sam and said, yo, Sam, I need the guys on the team phone number. Because that's just the way I operate. Yeah. Like, Dre, no, I over-communicate. So I called them guys and was like, yo, when we hooping? What we doing? Let's get together. Let's figure this out. And the very first day we had practice in OKC, Billy Donovan and any of my teammates to tell you, I stood up in the meeting and I told them, I said, yo, fellas, I don't get no alerts on my phone. I don't know what they be talking about, but I'm just here for a couple 
games and I'm moving on. I said, any questions, ask me. I said, but I don't do anything half-assed. I said, I don't, I don't know how to halfway be here. And you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You know how you hear all the speculation right. yeah. where they be like, oh, this guy's there, but he's going to get moved to such and such. I don't know how to operate like that. So when I got to OKC, it didn't matter what anybody was saying on the outside because the, the guys in the locker room knew what it was. All right. And so that made our team that much tighter and stronger. And I'm connected to all them guys. We didn't win it. But I'll be connected to them for life because that was my first year living without my family. Yeah, and you see, talk about connection. The other day you guys played versus OKC, and you see Shea Gilgis Alexander jumping over the seats to come say hi to you and your family. Beautiful. Talk about uh, that connection, that relationship, and what it's like from when you first seen him to now being a, I mean, he's one of Dre's favorite players. And he's what a, you what you tell him, what you say? He's the waviest dude alive, too, for what, sure. You said something to him in regards to Steph. Cause every time he sees Steph, yeah. So it, cause no, no, we, we played, no, no, we played, no, no, no. no, we played, we played them. His rookie, <laughs> on, no, we, no, no. Uh, we played against him in the playoffs when he was with the Clippers. When he was a rookie, I didn't know. Oh, him like okay, that, he was a rookie then, but he killed us his rookie year. Yeah. I remember that. That was when they came back in that in that. Uh, that yeah. was when they came back. One of them games. One of them games that came back. Lou had went crazy yeah, or something like that. But yeah, but. That dude got a chance to be one of the best players in the league. And I think no, 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 no. you told I'm, him something. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. It's crazy, man. It's crazy how the world works. So I got to Vegas that summer and I seen Shay. And I'd already knew of him or whatnot. But I went up and dapped him up in summer league. And this was after he had got traded to OKC. All right. I'm still in Houston. <laughs> I dapped Shay up. I said, man, that's going to be a good look for you on OKC. You got your own team now. You get to run the show. You get to do your thing. Boy, what, five days later, I got traded on OKC. Yeah, that's going to be a good look for you on OKC. You got your yeah, own team now. Yeah. You get to run yeah. the show. Do your thing. Do your thing. Then, bam. And then I'm, I'm there with him. Man, I am I mean this when I say it, and I try not to get emotional when I talk about Shay, man, because that was, that was my first year living without my family. Right, without my wife and my kids in LA. And um, man, Shay, he's just a basketball head, right? You show me somebody love basketball and crazy about their family, then me and them gonna be tight, right? And so Shay would come over to my house uh, before practice just to eat, cause I had a chef, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Night after games, Shay at my house, him and Darius Baisley, Lou Dort or whatnot. You know what I'm saying? So Shay, I mean, when I play in Toronto, he ain't even my teammate no more. His mom and dad come to the game. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The night before we played them, he was here. You know, I just talked to him yesterday because I need Shay to beat Minnesota uh, tomorrow to help us out with the yep. play-in tournament. Yeah. You know, so y'all know. I mean, you look at you guys' relationship. You know what I mean? I don't know how many years y'all played together. How many years y'all played together? Do the one or two? Two. You only played two. two. Yeah. Yeah, two. Just see, two. See? See? Which yeah. is crazy, but yeah. you see you guys' connection. Me and yeah. Shay played together for one year. Yeah. Yeah. For one year, man. And I tell you, it ain't a time where I can't call him. Like, something happened to him this past summer, and I was with my family, and he sent me a text. I was like, see, call me right quick. And it was like a big thing that happened in his life, and I just... I mean, we didn't already play them the three times that we're going to play them this year. So yesterday I was giving him some basketball advice about stuff that I watch when I play him, mm -hmm. just because I didn't want to tell him yeah. <laughs> if we had to play them again. But, man, he's so he's so good 
when it come to come to hoop and then he just even better person and I mean that. So talking about the game of basketball, like you're a, obviously a savant of the game. Like you can I've seen a clip of you and Draymond interacting on the sub. Yeah. He was like, you take it, I'll take it out, you take it in, you be on this side. It might have been like a pistol action or something like that. You who's guarding you, you go right there, they're gonna flip it, we get the matchup we need. And ninety percent of the league can't do that. But I feel like it's a lost art, but I don't want to be Tom Brady and Bass the new school. And so what I'm trying to ask you is what are some things you like about the game now, but also what are some things you feel like is missing that needs to come back? Because I, I, I floated this because Shea keeping the, the mid-range game around, and, and I credit yeah. you a little bit for that one. Yeah, it's crazy because they had a game the other night against uh, Philly. And you know I watch every game every night. If we don't play – I watch every single game mm -hmm. every night. I had the TVs because I just, I like it. Mm -hmm. I enjoy seeing these plays that they running and whatnot. So Shay, Shay had about six middies that he missed that game uh, against Philly the other night. But what I appreciate about the game now and in the past, like I'm, I'm constantly learning stuff. So it's funny, last year in Phoenix, because the league has trends, yep. right? It yeah. has trends and it's analytics and all this stuff. But I, I'll tell y'all that. And that's why it's so hard to watch games sometimes because you hear people talking sometimes they don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened is there's this trend in the league, which is actually really, really dope with the offensive rebounder, right? This is, there's a, there's a, last year, our biggest focus in Phoenix was – going to the glass, offensive rebound. If you watch Josh Kogi, next time you watch Phoenix play, just watch how many guys are crashing now. And uh, we got a lot of good coaches with Golden State. And so that was a big emphasis for us this year too. And I was sitting there this year and I was like, oh yeah, we we started doing that last year. Cause you know how everybody talks about transition defense, yep. yeah. right? And so Evan, you probably remember too, Point guards used to always have to do what when the shot went up? Get back. Get back. Yeah. Get back. Yeah. And I was telling some of my coaches, when I was in college, my college coach would make me run for every offensive rebound that I got. <laughs> right? Like, even if it was on accident. Yeah. So if it was like a two-on-one break and my teammate missed it and I put it back in, put the tip back back in off the shot, that was the offensive rebound. My coach was gonna make me run. That's why. Because they always programmed us yeah. to do what? Get back. Get back. Get, get back. back on the shot. Yeah. yeah. When you run in dummy offense, somebody shoot, you gotta get back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. It's changed now. Yeah. And it makes so much sense. If you go to the offensive glass, now guys have to account for you and it's gonna slow down the transition. Oh. Uh, Look at that. Uh, Makes sense, don't it? They do. Especially with the switching. Everybody can guard everybody. So it's not like you have yep. to match up with a center. Not like Shaq got to match up with a wing or a wing matching up with a center. Everybody's, yep. you know, interchangeable anyway. So it was, you, you know, it's just your position. And so now when y'all watch games, just watch. Because every team now, for the most part, is teaching. Like, I've, I've gotten the green light to go to the glass, right? That's never been the case. <laughs> You know, I used to watch like Russ and Rondo and all of them and be like, damn, coach, let me, let me go to the glass one time. Let me, let me. But now, and, it, and when I heard it for the first time, I was like, damn, that makes sense. Because if these guys, if everybody's having to box out now, 
you're not just going to be getting a clean rebound, kicking the ball up, playing the transition. Mm. Mm. I want to ask something about the mid-range game because we always discuss it. We, we argue with Tatum about it because we say come playoff time, you have to make sure you score from all three levels. And when you guys went to the finals a couple years ago, I remember D. Book, even when he had 22 in the first half, 23 in the first half, he probably only had two or three three-point attempts. Or, or, you know, there wasn't too many, like, three-point attempts during that game. So, like, when it buckles down, can you talk about, like, the difference between, like, trying to continue to have all three levels of that game and why the mid-range matters? Because you start looking at players needed when the defense starts getting set. Yeah, I think it also depends on how your team is built and constructed, right? So with that team in Phoenix, right, we had a traditional big in that he was rolling and – Whatnot. So when you play five out, you're going to get a lot more threes because now the paint is wide open. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times what happens, and I always tell people the reason why I tried to perfect perfect the mid-range is because the league went to a drop. Mm, yeah. Right? Like y'all played in the league when there actually used to be shows, shows and yeah, Boston. things and all that different type stuff, right? Yeah. So another another Shea story, and Shea probably going to be mad for me telling it, but that year we was in uh, OKC together. I don't know who we had played against. Might have been Chicago or something. But they was, like, up at the screen. They was up at the level. And Shea came to the bench, and the way he taught me funny, he was like, see, what do do I do? (laughs) What do I do? He was like, what do I do? Like, he didn't know the reads. Because I always say this. Exactly. Or the low man is over, so now you might have to cross-court pass it or whatnot. And it's a backdoor lob, possibly. Yeah, if they roll quick enough. Yeah. I think the game defensively, and I think, I mean, this was crazy. Y'all know I'm still in it. So when you see these scores, like, it's still weird for me to pick up my phone and check the scores, and I see 150. Indiana Pacers. Bro, that's crazy. Indiana keeps scoring 140 points. I'm like, what are they doing? What are are they doing in practice if they're giving up 150 (laughs) points? Like, bro, that's, like, we used to say 25 a quarter. That's how Boom. So look, so that's so crazy. You just said that. Yeah, like, you just what? said that. I told, listen, I told uh, BP, one of our rookies or whatnot, I, I still haven't, even though I've been in the league this long, it's crazy because I still look at it as 25 a quarter, right? Like 25 a quarter is 100. So when we in the game and I look up and the team got 30, I'll be like, yo, what are we doing? <laughs> what, what, are, what are we doing? And the league because, average 120. <laughs> you know what I mean? See, that's crazy, yeah. but. That's the thing where some people might not. I, I believe that all goes back to the defense. It goes back to the defense because now just about every night, most teams are in a drop, right? So if you think about it, every team is in a drop, and you got a few of us who get to the mid-range, but you got the Stephs, the Dames, and all that who dribbling right into a three. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And everybody acting like they there or whatever. You ain't there. It's cash. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, and that's... Right, they're gonna say I'm the old nigga that's talking, but it's just you get you getting the answers to the test, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Right. So now as a guard, when you come off, it ain't no thought. You ain't having to make no reads. It's like I know that guy way back there. I'm pulling up. Yeah. And so in 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 what you're saying in terms of defense, you led the league in steals six times. Mm. Right. Um 
I don't think it, can anybody catch? Can you catch John Stockton on steals? No, you shouldn't be able to. It's Man, impossible. Listen, I'm out there. I'm out there playing. I'm out there playing with my with my grandkids. <laughs> no, but you're you're one of the best defensive guard point guards of all time. You know, steals your top whatever three four, and it feels like that art of defense has been taken out the game. Like we see more offensive moves than we've ever seen before. Like that's the part of the game I like. Um, the kid in uh, Philly. Uh, Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey and Darius Garland. Yeah. I'm watching these kids. And they know how to go yeah. between the legs and set up a triple step <laughs> back. And it's like, man, these kids are shooting these threes, uh, stepping back. Like, it's crazy. And you they know? only know where the line yeah. is. I'm yeah. like, bro, what? Like, they 15 y'all feet behind see, the line. Y'all ought, to see, y'all ought to see AAU. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, Dre, I do AAU like mm-hmm. crazy. Like, Trey, Trey Young, that stuff y'all seeing him do now, he's been doing that since he was. In high school, you know, on the AAU circuit, he was stepping across half court, pull, shooting deep. Yeah, so I, I guess where, how do you feel on the art of the defense and where it's gone, and does it need to come back? And well, yeah, that part first because I got another one to follow up on it. Because so, winning is a part of the game. One hundred and fifty points, ain't, no question. Be. No question. So one of the things that I will never forget, right, is. And if y'all ever get a chance, talk to Lawrence Franklin, talk to DJ, talk to DJ, DeAndre Jordan. So me and DJ for a few years, we was leading the league and cause they had statistics for everything. We led the league in pick and roll defense, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Cause DJ was a tall athletic guy who could get up at the point of the screen and I would, you know, body up and, you know, try to get my hands up for deflections and all of that. And I'll never forget the day Lawrence Frank came in for training camp. And he was like, hey, fellas, we're going to a drop. Right? i never forget that practice because I looked at DJ and DJ looked at me. Right? Because, you know, most, most big guys would probably be like, hell yeah. You know, because a drop is basically everybody back like yeah. that. Yep. You know? And so DJ, it was, i never forget that year because that was the year, like, the analytics really – creeped into the league and said, oh, we're going to give up this shot. We're going to give up this shot. And it's, uh, I don't know. I I know a little bit about defense, I feel like. So, I don't know. I've, I've, I've always enjoyed defense. You know what I'm saying? You mm-hmm. have to play both sides of the ball. But now it's whatever you got to do to win. I get it. Yeah, but it is, you know, a lot of, a lot of the young guys who are coming up, you know, the Trey Youngs, you know, the Darius Garlands, um, you know, Tyrese Maxey, is there, can that those dominant shooting guards have the chance to really win a championship? I mean, with Maxey, there's Embiid, but can, do you think they can be dominant in that fashion with the, the volume of shots from where they're shooting from and have a real shot at winning a championship? Because that's a part of analytics that aren't a part of the equation. Like that analytics isn't a part of like what does it take to win a championship? It's telling you what right. can get you the highest amount of points, but it's like what are you you forgetting a whole nother, other side to yeah. it? Like you got the, the Miami Dolphins had one of the greatest offenses of all time, undefeated, but they couldn't win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean also too yeah, what gets taken out the game too. You say defense, then it's playmaking, then it's awareness. Yes, you know what I mean. Right. And, you know it's IQ, right. like it's. 
Only thing that sometimes it seems like it matters is if you can shoot 35% from the three. Because now you got guys on the court, we can say OKC, their future's so bright, only because they have a guaranteed four playmakers on the team. Uh-huh. Back in the day, you had yeah. to do like damn near everything to be on the team and a shooter. If he didn't make one or two shots, you set his soft ass down because he couldn't guard. <laughs> and like now, it's like, hey, why you like this kid? Because he can play make. It's like, wait, he's playing basketball at the highest level. We should all play make. We should all be able to come right. off and pass right. left, right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's it's like you said back in the day too. It was a bunch of specialists. Yeah. It was a bunch of specialists. And I, I tell you all the time, like even OKC didn't win that many games last year or the year before. You could see this coming with them. Because I talk to Shay about this all the time, is that usually everybody on the court with them can can do something, yeah. if that makes sense. Yes. But it's not just that they can do something, it's the freedom that sort of like Mark gives them all to play with, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if you open, shoot it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if matters. it's the center, if it's the five, it's the four man. So you think you ain't supposed to close out to this guy because he's not Shay or he's not such and such. Cash, you're like, damn. Right. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, some teams you'll play against and they kick it to a guy and that guy will like be like, ah, oh, should I shoot, shoot this? Yeah. Should I shoot this? And you play against OKC, they're going to let it fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, as, as we transition, you know, I want to talk about leadership. And naturally, in our era, when we grew up, the point guard was the leader. And I feel like it's, it's always been like that. You know, there's a lot of conversations of, yep. is the best player on the team the leader? And I think us growing up, the point guard was a leader, regardless if he was the best player on the team or not. You know, he kept everybody right. happy. He kept everybody on the same page, so on and so forth. And so you've had success everywhere you've gone. You know, like there is a pride thing to that that is like innate in you. I don't think everybody can get that. But in terms of leadership, you know, what are you – because I talked to Mikael Bridges as well. I had a really good conversation mm-hmm. about, you know, him, you know, being more involved, you know, with – player engagement, the union, so on and so forth. And he spoke mm-hmm. so highly of you. Um, you know, where did that come from? You know, how did you continue to become a better leader? And what are you telling your teammates? Man, Dre, I think uh, a lot of it come from experience, but it come from asking a lot of questions, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't know, I think when I came into the league, right, I was the fourth pick. I went to a team that had won 18 games. It was 18 and 64 before my rookie year. And so I go to New Orleans and it's different, man, when you come to the league. Y'all know, like, I was 19, 20 years old and now I'm out here playing with grown men, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm fast as hell and I'm like, but I'm out here with Jamal McGlure. I'm out here with PJ Brown. You know what I'm saying? Like some real, like vets, real old heads. And I never forget (laughs) during practice, I'm, I mean, believe it or not, the people listening, I was fast, fast once upon a time. <laughs> but Jamal McGlure, I'm pushing the ball up the court, and he was like, slow down, young fella. <laughs> slow down. <laughs> and i never forget, I was looking around like, huh? He was like, slow down, pass me the ball. I'm the all-star. Give me the fucking ball. Right? And I was like, oh, shit. Then one of my assistant coaches came up to me and he said something so wild. I ain't going to say what he said, but he basically told me, get him, keep doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yep. And so at that young age, I was just concentrated on hooping. And then B. Scott used to always be on me, man. And that's why I forever loved B. Scott. I mean, practices was hard as hell. But the way he had my back 
mm-hmm. and the way he taught me and he let me play. He let me play. And he used to be like, CP, tell him, talk to him. You know what I mean? Tell him what you see. And so then I got it. D West was on that team, yep. David West. And so D West, man, I just got a chance to see, okay, D West don't say much, but he lead in other ways. Yeah. And so what I started to realize is that both are necessary. Like right. both are necessary. And so when I done went to these different teams or whatnot, when I played in Houston, like Trevor Reza and PJ Tucker was two huge big leaders of that team, right? That led differently from me, mm-hmm. right? Same thing when I went to Phoenix. And then even getting here, being in the Bay now with the Warriors, being around the team, I see how important you were and how important Dre is, Draymond is, into this team mm-hmm. being what it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, Steph, Clay, all them, they super-duper nice or whatnot. But Steph, Steph just going to go out and try to bust your ass. Right? <laughs> he ain't really going to talk about much. He's just going to go out there and get to it. But – it shows you the importance of having people that that talk and communicate. Yeah, you know. Yeah. What made you feel like you were ready to you know move off the court? You know, from 2013 to 2021, you were the union president, and in between there, we spoke on it last week. You, Michelle, Robert, Stray, and a lot of those guys, uh, you pretty much helped you know push the uh, lead forward and push the union forward, and you know take tons of leaps and bounds. What made you feel like you were ready for that? Because that was a job nobody wanted and a problem nobody wanted. Boy. And, and the NBA, to get NBA guys listen at that union back then was damn near <laughs> impossible. Man. <laughs> man, listen, me and Drake, me and Drake could do a whole damn show about all the stuff that we didn't seen or whatnot. But I'm telling you, man, it's crazy to think about it, and that's why I always talk about Dre, and I used to talk about James Jones and all this stuff. And Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Last week, Kanye West accused one of the biggest Twitch streamers of being an industry plant. It's an idea that comes up so often on platforms like TikTok and elsewhere. You see people who have blown up seemingly overnight, and the question is, who's behind them, right? That's what everyone wants to know. Tipping the scales and pulling the lever to make them seemingly the next it thing on the internet. This week on Power User, is it even possible to create an industry plant on the internet? And if so, how? Um... The, the conversations that we had, shh, boy, it wasn't a such thing as family time. We'd be on vacation. Dre, you'd be somewhere. And we, man, we turned a 20-minute conversation into two hours just because we wanted to make sure mm-hmm. everybody was being heard, everybody was being seen. And, I mean, give a lot of credit to Jerry Stackhouse because that was how I ended up even as president to begin with. Dre, you remember that? Mm-hmm. Out in yep. Vegas? Yep. And, um when I <laughs> when I actually won or whatever, because I think I ran against Roger, Roger Mason. Yeah. You know what it's like, like when you when you like run for the seat, it happens in person yep. with everybody, yeah. <laughs> which is obviously weird because we all in the NBA, and so 
they did the votes. Everybody walked out the room and we just sitting in there. <laughs> I think Roger was like sitting right next to me. And we just sitting around, they come back in and they announce. Yeah, I kind of yeah, I kind of knew how it was going to end, you know. Nobody was <laughs> on uh pins and needles in the head to head with CP and Roger Mason. But listen, man, when, when I flew back to North Carolina, when I flew back to North Carolina, I was so stressed. I was like, man, how am I supposed to do this? Seriously, because we didn't have an ED. I I mean, when I landed, I hit Carmen later at work for me and said, Carmen, tell him I ain't doing it. <laughs> I, I was going... I was gonna quit. That was before an athlete was more than an athlete. So you True. was just really no. like writing a blueprint no. and being like, damn, I ain't talked all this shit. <laughs> and now I gotta really, Man. <laughs> really Man, figure it out. Up. Yeah. And, and and then the thing too was Dre No, and I just keep saying this, man, because when when stuff would happen, all this stuff like that, and I talk about Dre a lot because I always say this wasn't like my company. You know, the union was not CP3 LLC and it wasn't Dre's company. So anytime we made a decision, it wasn't just on me and his behalf or anything. But it was just crazy because there's so many players in the league, right? 450, mm -hmm. right? And more than half of them don't like me, which is fine. You know what I'm saying? Probably don't. And me and Dre used to talk about that all the time. It's like, I get it. You don't, you don't have to like me, but there's somebody on this executive committee that I'm sure you probably like. So that person can communicate this or that to you, but I can look anybody in the eye and say that any decision that was ever made over that time was on behalf of all the players and not just a few of them. Mm -hmm. I gotta tell you, man, when we start doing that bubble stuff, boy, you can start getting disrespectful. <laughs> I heard, man. <laughs> <laughs> always just talking crazy, but I was always so grateful that I had you know, I didn't know everything. So when there were certain things that would go on, I hit Dre. Dre, you remember that time we talked to Michelle and we was about to cancel the whole thing? Yep. I was standing in my backyard and it was just so much stuff going on that me and Dre had been on the phone and was like, man, these guys saying it, man, forget it. Let's let's not do it, but. Right. But, that, but that's a yeah. big thing too, pause, because like we sitting here and it's like, Y'all got more than what y'all want, Pauls. Y'all got everything y'all want. Money is really not y'all problem. Like, what went deep into the thought of being like, because it was only the people on the committee and the rest of us just kicking it while y'all try to handle the problems. Like, where did that drive come from? Because, like, it was no small feat, and it's really not y'all damn problem. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you could have been like, LeBron, handle this because you're supposed to be we'll have to be on the face of the league, have this person handle this and the third. But, like, y'all signed up and put, you know, put the put the city on your back. I, I think it was, sure. like, we always knew that we got to take care of the 450. Yeah. Like, I think we understood that. And I think it's just how we approach things. Like, you saying, you know, you got nervous or you was, like, freaking out. Like, man, I can't do this. When the fellas asked me to do it and I was like, cool, I'll do it. Man, I had a couple nightmares. And I was like, man, I don't I don't think I can do this. Like, that's a real thing. And then you and I had a conversation about it. And I think that's a good thing. When I got to the finals with Jimmy Butler in Miami, he was like, bro, I'm nervous. And I was like, Jimmy, that's a good thing. That means you actually care. 
means you care. That means you care. He was nervous in Denver. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, I mean, he, he went out. He went, he went crazy against my against the Lakers in yeah, that in that true, series. True. And so, I think that just says something to like how we approach things. Like I tell CP all the time, or I remind guys, like, listen, like CJ, uh, um, CJ McCollum. Yeah. I'm like, man, go ask CP everything that he did. Like he approached this with like precious care. Mm. Like you always took notes. You were always aware of what was going on. You know, Carmen was always around making sure we were all on the same page. We were scheduling things out. You know, whatever issues we had, I knew you was on the phone with Adam constantly. Any Anytime something went down, you knew about it. You were trying to discuss it. You were trying to get to the root of the problem. You were trying to fix it. And I knew that you cared because don't nobody see that stuff. Mm. <laughs> don't yeah. nobody not, don't nobody see this stuff, man. Yeah. Like we were putting in hours and hours. Like my wife was like, when you when are you done with this union stuff? I used to get that question so many times. She was like, You ain't yeah. getting paid for this. And I used to be like, It's like it's only eight of us that can understand. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, you know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? Dre, as you notice, know is it's down to the small details of uh like Latoya. Mm-hmm. Latoya that works for the union. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And, and it goes from experience because for all these years, and I think this is why we did it too, is because we had experience of knowing what it had looked like. Mm-hmm. So we knew sort of what it should look like. Right. So when we used to have them, um, those union meetings back in the day, it used to be the EC sitting up front and everybody else sitting sort of in the back, just looking up at them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I became president, I talked to Dre and I talked to Latoya about it. I said, I want to change up this room. I just don't like the feeling of it because with all of us players, 450 players who got egos, all this different type of stuff. When you walk into a room and you feel like the EC up there and the president up there and the other players back here, then even though it might not be said, guys feel like, oh, they better than us. Right. You know what I mean? So it seems small. That's why we started doing that, the seating. You know what I'm mm-hmm, talking about? Mm-hmm. Like the well, amongst the guys. Where everybody was facing each other. Yeah, talking right. to each other. So, yeah, it's, like that. So, so, so it's all them little details, man, and just making sure that everybody felt part of what we was doing. I want to ask you a question. Was that... What level of difficulty was that compared to, like, the Donald Sterling situation? Because one goes from, like, a private, like, members-only situation to now everybody's talking about, you got to do what's right for the people. And, like, this, <laughs> and this was, like, one of the first yeah. moments when they're like, if I was, in, if I was the Clippers, I want you know what I mean? I nah. want to play it in a bunch of, like, goofy stuff where it comes down to it where whatever decision you made. I remember David West being in locker rooms. I played for the Pacers at the time. He's like... CP, they got to sit out, man. He'll be illuminated. He got to do it. I'm like, bro, D-West, this ain't the Rosa Parks story, man. It's like, this, this, I feel where nah, you're coming from, but like, nah. man. <laughs> you know what? You know you know what's crazy is that <laughs> man, I've been in so many situations since I've been in the league that I sometimes I forget all the different ones. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I had that situation. Um, they wouldn't let you, they wouldn't let you get traded? They wouldn't let you get traded. traded. (laughs) That was crazy. As soon as as I got traded to Houston, the owner was Les Alexander. Maybe two weeks after, he sold a team to Tillman for Tita. You know what I mean? So what's crazy is... (laughs) 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 
exactly. Exactly what I was saying about, uh, not exactly about that, you wild. But, uh, I'm just playing, y'all. What, what I was about to say about um, what you was talking about just now about the Sterling situation is sort of what happened with the bubble. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Like with the bubble, yeah. with everything that happened with Jacob Blake and then Milwaukee didn't come out to play. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about your phone going off, when the thing happened and I was with the Clippers with Sterling, oh my goodness, man. Like I had Al Sharpton, I had Jesse Jackson, I had all these people calling my phone telling me yeah. what we should do yep. and what we needed to do. Killer Mike and, David Banner. And that's when it benefits <laughs> to be the vice president. <laughs> not, not, not the president. But you know what? But you know what? When when the stuff happened with the bubble. Now I started calling out to people who I sort of knew. I mean, I called I called Killer Mike, yeah. I called Angela Rye, I called Robert Smith, I called some of these people who might be able to give some insight into what we might need to be doing or what we might need to be asking for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, continuing on with leadership, <coughs> how is how have you built this incredible um, presence and voice? For HBCUs, um, I was just watching last week. It was a Chris Paul HBCU classic, and I was yeah, just like, "Oh, this yeah. is dope!" And it was one, yeah, it's so one kid had, with a burner. A yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they played for one same state. We had, yeah. we had a tournament that was out at uh, Mohegan Sun, right? Okay. It was four teams uh, that play out there, and now we got another one that's coming out here in um, in Vegas um, in a, in a few weeks, or well, next month in December, and I think. The thing about it, as y'all know, is that you don't get to the NBA by skipping steps, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to do the work. And so when I really started to dive into all that HBCU stuff, man, I started like really studying because when you're a kid, you don't know nothing. Yeah. Like when I grew up, Winston-Salem State was in my hometown and Wake Forest, like both in my hometown. Like my grandfather's service station is 10 minutes from Winston-Salem State and 10 minutes from Wake Forest. But as a kid, you don't know what a PWI is. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You don't know that. Like, I saw Winston-Salem State, but that was just, that was a college, and that was a college. Yeah. It wasn't until I got older and I understood there's only 107 HBCUs. And then I started to understand that the financial aspect of it is that they're not getting private funding. Yep. Right? A lot of these big schools or whatnot, they're getting alumni who giving the school money and all this stuff. So... I just did a deep dive into it and I wanted to try to support us mm -hmm. because when you dive into it, you start to realize that a lot of our family members, they could only go to these HBCUs because they couldn't get educated anywhere else. Yeah. Right, right. So, and, so, and you study at Wake Forest and ended up getting your degree from Winston-Salem State, correct? Yeah, so I'm, I'm born and raised in Winston-Salem. Winston-Salem, so North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, like the wood. Mike from the wood. Like Mike. So everybody, most people that heard of like North Carolina A&T, right? Mm -hmm. You heard Jiho, greatest home, <clears throat> homecoming on earth. My brother went to Hampton his freshman year, right? So in that area, you got all these different HBTUs that I grew up around, North Carolina Central, Livingstone, yeah. all this stuff. So for me, uh, Wake Forest is a huge part of my story. I got a locker room named after that. I'm forever grateful for them, but it worked out for me dope because basically I started at Wake Forest and I finished at West Salem State, which is both mm. the two schools in my hometown. Mm -hmm. and, and just giving back and, you know, understanding 
things that you don't know as a kid. Um, and I never, I never did this while I was with the Warriors. But you, you know, as soon as you join the team, you go over to San Quentin, and they have a, a basketball game with the Warriors. First, the actual prisoners. Yeah, they did like a Netflix. Yeah, too, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so, for me, so I'll give you my perspective. I've always known that you know African American males are disproportionately sent to prisons, and work through yep. that system. And I had a few family members in prison, and I always told myself, like, I'm never going to jail, even to visit. Like, that's just one place I don't want to go because of the trauma behind it, you know, how we're, how we've been related to going to prison. And so, like, I refused to go. And it wasn't because I I didn't want to go with the team. It was just like, no, I don't even want to visit the jail to see my family members. That's just one place I'll never go. Like, I hate riding past it just because I know what comes (laughs) historically this country has done to us. Like, it's the new form of slavery. Like, the original police officers were slave catchers. And so for, for you, you know, I saw you got to experience it and it opened my eyes to something like, damn, would I have wanted to experience that? And so like, what was that experience like for you and what did it open up your eyes to? Man, what's crazy is everything that you just said is so valid. Like I, I feel that, you know what I mean? And, and losing my grandfather when I was 17 to five teenagers, that gave me a whole different set of emotions and going over there right? Mm-hmm. Going to San Quentin. And the only other time I visited a uh, prison, so my wife, her dad um, was a sheriff back home. Uh, her mom was a magistrate, so her mom worked at the jail. But the only time I'd ever been to a jail was I went to visit Wayne when he was in Rikers. Uh-huh. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Wayne was in Rikers Island. I went to, me and my brother went to go see him when he was locked up. And that was an experience in itself. So going to San Quentin was Wild too, because I tell you this, my uncle, my granddad's brother, was locked up there for nine years. Right. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't meet him for the first time till I might have been like 13 or something like that. And so going there, you know, you just never know. Like, what's it gonna be like? What's it gonna, you know? And I'm telling you, man, I, I've already been trying to work on it to go back because I sort of had that feeling that you had, like, I don't wanna go, I don't wanna see. But then I went in there and you know, everybody has their story, things happen or whatnot. That's not for me to judge or right. anything like that. But when I did get in there and got a chance to talk to some of them and just play dominoes with them, you know what I mean? That was the first thing I did. I was standing over there. The game was about to start. One of the big homies over there, he stood up on the table and started doing like that, right? So that meant he was like washing the dominoes. And I said, well, what's up then? <laughs> so I walked over there. I walked over there with them, and man, I got I got a video and all that stuff from my phone from watching. And I mean, they talking cold hard shit. They they like, hey, this jail rules right here, this prison rules right here. We played to the hundred. We ain't going to one fifty. And so I sat there, and we played the best out of three. Um, OG beat me in the first game, and I beat him in the next two games. But just for that period of time, because seeing like you said, a whole bunch of black men, right? Like for me. <laughs> them look like my uncles. Them right. look like my family yeah. members. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like I said, I wasn't in there to judge them on what had happened or whatnot, but it it felt as good for me to be there with them as if it might have felt great for them. Mm, mm, mm. Um, I got one last question. <laughs> so um, my last question for you, and I've heard this a lot, the best players 
to play the game often don't translate into maybe it's coaching or uh, GM. Um, you being ultra competitive, uh, you can pretty much do anything you want. You know, you can speak the game, you can coach the game. Um, you know, you got business endeavors. Like you've you've done it all. You're one of the few guys that have been able. You can leave your fingerprints just just about anywhere for a professional athlete. And but your competitive nature is not going anywhere. Like I think we know that. And so, what do you see yourself doing? You know, ten years from now. Man, listen here. First and foremost, I want to. I mean, I know you know it and talk about it and stuff like that. But I, I definitely want to own a team. Mm-hmm. I want to be on the ownership side of a team because I know that GM survey to come out and talk about me being a coach and all that. But I, I coach AAU. <laughs> I coach my AAU team. I got 13 of my AAU kids who now play in the NBA. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'll coach my AAU team. But the only reason I don't want to coach in the NBA is because I don't want to travel like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to travel like this because I'd have missed so much of my kids' life. And I know y'all know what that feel like. Yep. And Dre, it's it's so crazy because I pay attention, right? Like, I, I remember when you said you was done, I was like, what? And then when I got traded to Golden State, you remember I called you? Yes, sir. <laughs> I called Dre. I said, I need one more year. Yeah, you told me. <laughs> I called yeah. him right away. I told him, I said, I need, I need one more year out of you. But it's crazy because... D-Wade, like my brother, right? Mm-hmm. I've, I've watched him transition. You know, I'm watching Melo now. You, I'm watching you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm watching guys and I'm seeing, because uh, y'all are the same way. Y'all ultra competitive. Yeah. And I think um, I definitely want to continue to do all my different business things or whatnot. Uh, I got a production company, um, part owner of TBT that – Evan oh, yeah. won that year. I saw that. Yeah, you sent that little 60 <laughs> bands to the squad. You did that thing. He <laughs> did that. That was it's, all right. It's, 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 a, it's a lot of other things that's going on, man. But I, I love this game too much to just leave it. Right. And the, and the reason why I say I want to be a part of an ownership group or on a team is because, as you know, I've seen everything that you can possibly see when it comes talks about a team, whether that's ownership, whether that's coaching, whether that's GMs, whether that's seeing, I mean, hell, with the union, we did an audit on teams every year. Yes. <laughs> so we we know where money being spent, where it's not being spent, you know, all this different type stuff. ET looking like, damn, y'all know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, damn, y'all was working, working. Right. You yeah. should own a team. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, and so within that and my passion for basketball or whatnot, man, it would just be, it would be perfect because um, I don't want to lead a game because like, like you said, it's, it's too much love there. And also too, you don't want a boss neither. After all the shit you did, you got a boss, <laughs> boss around basketball. You're like, man, fuck that, man. <laughs> straight up. I know you, you don't know now, but you're going to realize it like, nah, G, I'm straight, fam. I'm going to figure what, it out, man. What, How much is this? What's, what's so, I'll be back. Listen, what's, what's so crazy, and it's not like a plug, I'm going to just tell you for real, dog. I, I wrote a book about my, my relationship with my grandfather. Oh, yeah. right? yes, sir. My grandfather got murdered when I was 17. And my granddad had the first black-owned service station in North Carolina. Oh, wow. But what you just said is what my granddad used to say all the time. My granddad used to say, hey, man, I can't have some white man telling me where to be every day. 
That's what my granddad used no, to say <laughs> all the time. And, it, <laughs> and I wasn't as smart. I'm like, bro, it's 29. I think this is starting to become a little bit like, I'm cool, bro. I'm cool. <laughs> well, uh, CP, we appreciate you um, for all those listening. Uh, I got the book. Um, I need to come by and get it signed, actually. I think I got two copies of it. Uh, go check out uh, Chris Paul's book, um, New York Times bestseller. Uh, just amazing. All the things you've done, continuing to do, um, you know, multiple gold medals, you know, one of the best teams of all time. Uh, and we just uh, continue to root for you just because you keep pushing the game forward. And uh, that competitive nature is we, we got to make sure that that stays within the game. So I appreciate the time. Y'all go get a win. Man, listen, I appreciate y'all so much. ET, I appreciate you, man. And before I go here, you talk about giving people their flowers. Dre, telling you, dog, all these years, all this stuff with the union, it wouldn't have been possible without you. I say that publicly, privately, you know that. Now you know with this new endeavor that you got. What was the first thing I told you? I said, don't hesitate. Yes, sir. Call me. Yes, sir. I if appreciate you need anything, man. So I'm yeah. supporting you always. Yes, sir. All right, y'all go, y'all go get some. Uh, y'all, y'all, y'all got us. We got a squad. I say we. Yeah. We got a squad. I, can I say we? Y'all yeah, got a squad. I don't can. know who I can. You can say we. You okay. Can say okay. We. okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah, you know who I'm rooting for. You know who I'm rooting for. <laughs> if y'all win a championship, you gotta write a book about you and Steph's uh, relationship over time. I think it'd be a great, uh, a great book, a great story. That'd be lit. That'd be cold. <laughs> That'd, That'd be, be cold. Because we, we got some, That'd be lit. some crazy stories. That'd too. be lit. All right, y'all. All right, fam. Appreciate you. Appreciate All you, right. CP. All right, yep. no doubt. Appreciate yep. y'all. Later. Without a ball, it's just a court. And without your spirit, it's only a game. So, together with the fans, we bring our best. For your next pregame, let's share a twist on a classic. The Hennessy Margarita, a squeeze of fresh lime juice and a bit of agave syrup topped off with ice and a salted rim. Mix it, shake it, pour it and enjoy the spirit of the NBA. Hennessy, without your spirit, it's only a game. 21 and older, please drink responsibly. 